you okay? Oh, damn enchiladas! Oh, you gonna be all right? All I'm saying is, if you really want to break your brain, watch Coming to America, and then watch Audition, and just let your mind just go completely, completely batshit crazy. So with that, we're here for another freewheeling installment of the longest-running podcast dedicated to Roy Burns and Pride 13 Part 5, A New Beginning. That's right. It's It's Them Them Enchiladas, the podcast. Uh, my name is Adam Griffin, here with Rob Christie, Mark Warren. Carl Severe is here in the spirit. He is off uh, living his life, doing his thing. When he's back, he's back. And we will greet him warmly and with lots of glee. Mercilessly. Uh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Here we have a fun show. It is our Halloween show. And I've been waiting to do this for a very long time. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about Fear Street. How close is it to Halloween? It's the day before Halloween. We're recording this on October 30th. All Hallows Eve. Uh, if you watch Joe Bob's Halloween special, you know All Hallows Eve was one of the movies. And so was Demons 2. So it's just been a wonderful time of having uh, several various tenets of this podcast be confirmed in the mainstream. Because uh, this is our month. It's Halloween. We watch scary movies. We have a lot of fun. And we just try to keep those vibes going for as long as we can. So tonight, we're recovering. Fear Street, part one, 1994. Fear Street, part two, 1974. And Fear Street, part three, 1666. Yep, we're doing a whole trilogy. It is that big event that happened on Netflix in 2021 that uh, we were in pandemic times. Well, the overt pandemic times, it's still a some issues going on. Uh, but those movies, you know, uh, hit hit the, hit the service and then kind of flitter away because shelf life is weird these days as far as what we talk about. So, hey, like all good things that get resurrected during Halloween, we're bringing it back and taking a dive. And uh, before we do that, speaking of resurrections, some interesting news hit over the weekend uh, Damien Leone, director of Terrifier and Terrifier 2, uh, spoke out about how he wanted to tackle a uh, Friday the 13th movie. And uh, the news was met with excitement and derision because it's the internet and who knows what people actually think. <laughs> but uh, I think... Um, it could be a very awesome experience if he were able to make that movie. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking at the style of Terrifier movies a little bit too closely. There's a different level of presentation and gore between a Friday the 13th movie and a Terrifier movie. I don't think we're going to see Jason do uh, three-minute, four-minute long kills. That's not Jason. Uh, There's a way to do a brutal effect of Jason Voorhees in two, three minutes, or not even that, 20, 30 seconds, and still have, you know, a visceral impact, literally and figuratively. Uh, I just wanted to hear y'all's thoughts on this news, because, you know, it could be very interesting to see in the future. I agree that it would be very interesting, and I hope that he gets a chance to do it, especially since, you know, Right now, what's being done with that IP? Right. Not a yep. damn thing. Well, we got the the uh, Crystal Lake series uh, for Peacock is in development. Uh, okay, nothing so on the that's, side. 
nothing on the movie side at least you know there's there is something being done with it but you know if you're just going to let it live if it's going to just lie fallow on the movie side why not give somebody who hasn't had their hands on it a shot with it yeah somebody with you know a history of of success now actual like financial tangible success you can point that say hey terrifier 2 made money this this guy knows how to he knows how to if you'll excuse me for this phrase you know put his finger on the pulse of a particular vibe and uh, sell people that vibe sell you know sell people a product based on it so give him a shot what's the fucking worst thing that happens it's a dud a dud horror movie no that doesn't happen that's never happened no, that's never happened and when people think it's going to happen it definitely doesn't happen we'll, yeah. we'll talk about five nights at freddy's in a sec <laughs> 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 I'm already upset, and when we talk about that, I'm going to get more upset. <laughs> Mark, any thoughts on uh, this potential Friday Thirteenth news? I mean, that director's really hot right now, right? Like Rob said, he's got his finger on the pulse. So, um, I, I think that series needs something like that. If, if you're going to do another movie at this point, give it to somebody who can give a fresh take on it i mean when was the last friday the 13th movie 2009 and and what was that movie the reboot yeah 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 (laughs) with one with one actually i do like that movie uh i do think Derek mirrors jason is scary because he runs (laughs) he runs full tilt (laughs) and that first 15 minutes is fantastic Hold up. He runs? Yes. Rob, you haven't seen Rambo. (laughs) Does he run like that? Where it's real... No. (laughs) Oh, no. No. Rob, yeah. No. Yeah, Yeah, this dude is is a survivalist. Uh, (laughs) Just full tilt. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Y'all can't see the look on my face, but maybe you can hear it. I don't know. Because uh, it's not a happy I, look if you're yeah, not, happy. <laughs> not happy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I suggest watching it because, yeah, man. <laughs> Another yeah. one for the pile of stuff I know I'm going to have to watch because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, just, I keep like, signing I, myself up for this shit. I got to stop. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be um, it'd be fun to see. You know, there's been a lot of great movies made on the fan side of things. Uh, Friday Thirteenth, Vengeance, uh, Vengeance Two, uh, Roseblood, Never Hike Alone, Never Hike Alone Two, Never Hike in the Snow. A lot of good fan stuff. So it's, and they're really showing out. They're really doing great work. You know, it's all available to the public on YouTube. Um, but you know, it's 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 time to get things going again on the theatrical side and. We've seen that uh, there's n- there's no barrier between streaming and theatrical, no. uh, as shown by the most recent release of a horror movie. Yes, it is a horror movie called Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, it hit theatrical and Peacock same day. Did uh, over 130 million worldwide at the box office so budget back and then some um broke records for blumhouse it is their highest grossing horror movie of all time for opening weekend uh highest grossing movie for a female director um so in a horror movie so yeah uh there there's no barriers now like it's done arguments over you just have to make quality work that the fan base will show up for. Um, and for what I've seen, uh, I did watch the movie. I liked it. I'm not the target audience, but I do like a good a good hour, 45 hour, 50 minutes <laughs> of a new horror movie. And it was fine, you know, for what it wanted to do. And I could, I could see that uh, when I watched it. Um, but now it just proves there's no barrier between streaming and theatrical. So it, it 
it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out, especially on the horror side of things. We can get more a little bit more leeway with uh, VOD releases. <laughs> Rob, um, I I wanted that movie to be garbage. I'm sorry, I just did. <laughs> I I loathe that franchise. Yeah, with every fiber of my being, I don't like the person who made the franchise either. Yep, but. If it can be pointed to as more evidence that, like you said, you can release things to stream at home and go and see in the theater at the same time, as long as you make good enough stuff and it doesn't, you know, doesn't hurt the bottom line. Okay, fine. Still not happy about it, but at least it can do something, you know, positive. And and if it's entertaining, you know, all right, fine, whatever. Now I have to watch it and I'm (laughs) sad about it. But I don't have to pay any additional money to watch it, so that's a there good go. thing. There you go. Yep. So, speaking of streaming, our big movies this week debuted on streaming. Still no physical release on Blu-ray yet. I I need that. <laughs> the Fear Street trilogy they came out on July 2nd, July 9th, and July 16th of 2021 on Netflix. And uh, we're starting with the first part, 1994. Uh, overall, I'd say this might be my favorite uh, horror movie adaptation because I think it got the tone right. And how do I know that? Because I'm not a time traveler. I do have this book from 1992 still in my possession. That's right. Fear Street by R. Stein Cheelers, the first evil, featured prominently... <laughs> <laughs> in 1994 and in the final part well you can't miss it um and i do think that those movies uh are a great adaptation of the tone of the books um because they don't, these movies do not pull any punches whatsoever uh this is a brutal brutal trilogy uh, that surprised me because I I wasn't expecting it, you know. I was expecting something with like that 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 little middle of the road snarky t- tone. Uh, but all of these characters had been through it before the actual weird shit starts, <laughs> and once it does, uh, holy shit, um, Rob. Uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on 1994? Uh, just to kick things off. Well, I have to I have to mention one facet of it immediately because it was the first one that hit me. The soundtrack is fucking amazing. Just fantastic musical choices. Um, this, yeah, it, it really did not fuck. It didn't pull, like you said, it pulled no punches. I had no previous context for the tone of any of these movies because I've never read the books. I found out after I watched them that they were based on R.L. Stein novels. And when I think of R.L. Stein, I think of the I think of Goosebumps. I think of the more the more younger audience oriented stuff. So when I discovered that this is based on R.L. Stein books, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Excuse me. I didn't know he went this hard. Damn. <clears throat> uh highly enjoyable movie though just uh <laughs> I don't know I don't it's it, it's been a while since I had this much fun watching a movie I've watched plenty of good movies but this was just this was fun even though um oh no I can't talk about I can't talk about the second one yet but uh yeah they didn't fuck around with the kills it's just like nope that person is dead. You know they're dead. You, there's no no uh, no off camera excuse no off camera deaths in this movie. It's like if someone's dead. You you know it, including a couple of characters that I thought might make it to the end, and then we got to the end. It's like nope, <laughs> talk, nope, talk they ain't getting it. there. That is that like that is one of the best rug pulls in a horror movie I've seen in quite some time. Because usually, usually, uh. 
horror movie deaths are telegraphed, right? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. big one in, in 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 part two that we'll talk about. <laughs> it kind of leans into how these things usually go. But oh, jeez, and uh, Mark. So I I saw this like two years ago, like when it came out. I saw this movie. This is the only one of the three that I saw. And the only thing that I remember about this movie is the bread slicer death. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, usually, okay, I see this complaint a lot about the screen movies. How uh, they don't kill off enough people in the screen movies. And I think that the bread slicer kill in Fear Street 94 shows just how detrimental it would be to kill off characters in Scream that they want to see get killed off. Because you know that they're going to pull some shit like that. And that franchise can't recover from some shit like that. <laughs> right? Mm. Mm. I just, I just love how that whole scene is constructed because you think, nah, there's surely something's going to, you know, there's going to be some kind of ex machina or deus ex machina to pop in there and save, you know, save her. And it's just save her, at least her. And it's like, nah, <laughs> she getting half her head uh, sliced, sliced into sliced into nice pieces. It's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah. just Or Josh. <laughs> yeah like other other movies would have shied away from that character seeing all that go down like one after the other but yeah no fear street movie, was like nah this movie has you know one of the, the one of the like main characters live with that mm-hmm. <laughs> live with those moments back to back and not to mention, you've got the other main character drowning someone she she genuinely loves. It's just like fuck, man! <laughs> what a rough way to have to kill to have to kill somebody. Not to mention, just pile that onto the fact that okay, you got to kill you got to kill someone you care about to to stop this. At least as far as you know, let me kill you in one of the slowest ways you can possibly kill another human being. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's fucking traumatic yeah. for everybody involved. You know how in uh, Mortal Kombat, there, at one point they were like, "You know, fatalities aren't enough. We need brutalities too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we need X-rays. <laughs> it's not enough to just kill somebody by sawing them in half from you know the ass up to their head. Uh, we're gonna throw in you kicking their kicking their shins to the point where they literally explode." And then kneeing their jaw to the point where that also explodes. It's like, uh, did you did you need to do that? Did you have to? Yeah. You have and the to answer is kind of yes. The answer <laughs> is actually them. yes. <laughs> you have to hit them so hard. Yeah. That but time it, reverberates, and they explode several times over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it set that movie sets the tone, and I think it it sets it really effectively. It sets it really well. It's like, okay, we're going to set up these next, I'm going to say two movies, even though, spoiler alert, you can kind of say three if you want. <clears throat> but uh, it sets up the next movies. It's like, okay, do you want to go ahead and go to the second one? Because I've got something to say about that one immediately. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go to, let's go to Fear Street. Part two, 1978. Or 74, 74. 78. What? 70. Isn't it 78? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to look. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to look stupid. It is 78. No. It is 78. It is How do 78. I know that? How do you know that's that? A, that's a classic year, y'all. <laughs> Everything good was made in 1978. Wow. I thought it was I the year it. after. I thought it was 79. <laughs> <laughs> I fifth, and I but, thought uh, they were 20 years apart. Man, seventy eight is mean as fuck. Oh yeah, it is. It 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 takes any amount of kid gloves 
And uh, I say kid gloves for a reason. <laughs> uh, I have to say the first thing is poor Jeremy. That kid does not. That kid did not deserve that shit. <laughs> Neither did. Uh, and I have to jump to about what is it like about the seventy percent part mark of the movie when this happens when uh the killers just uh, roaming through the camp murdering whoever he finds and unfortunately he finds like five total actual children and the movie's like oh you think they're gonna live no No. x boom it's like nope you're done you're done get out of here you're done because they're finding feet later and they do find feet later and show it all (laughs) they do (laughs) just which uh, part of me is like i guess i approve of the consistency because it's not like it's not like they talked about these killers like they avoided killing you know kids or anything like that it didn't matter you were in the way you were going down you stood between uh this the uh witch possessed killer wink and uh you know the blood she the blood that killer was pursuing you're fucked doesn't matter how old you are you're done uh and i'm gonna jump ahead again because i have to say this who else got super tricked by the ending (laughs) Because I did. <laughs> I was like, wait, how can they both be dead? Because I totally forgot about the bit from the first movie, the end of yeah. the first movie, where they're like, yeah, she had to die, too. I didn't think she was going to die by taking a taking like four fucking knife wounds to the abdomen. Jesus. That was yeah, brutal that as is, hell. That ending. Oh. <laughs> One of the. I guess most heartbreaking final stands in a horror movie that I've seen in quite some time. Yep. The, the slow-mo, that's that's some damn good slow-mo. Because it's going full tilt, and then once Cindy gets hit, it's like, nope, here it comes. <laughs> it's, it's the axe like basically bouncing off her sternum. It's like, oh, ah, ah, no. Yeah, just... When they reach the point where they're just trying to reach out to each other because they're they're almost they're both you know close to dead, so they're not feeling any more pain. They're just sad about what's happening. It's like, man, who hurt y'all? Yeah, man. They they went for it because that is still. I think I think part two is my favorite out of the trilogy, just because it's like. It's like a period slasher movie gone completely wrong. Right? Just okay, like you know, slasher movies tend to be dark stuff. Mm-hmm. But this thing kind of has to be. <laughs> <laughs> this thing just goes full tilt. And even the victory at the end doesn't sit well because still got to deal with the fallout back yep. in present time. It's 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 real Pyrrhic. Really a very Pyrrhic kind of victory. And it's only kind of a victory because, you know, Ziggy somehow survives that. It's like, how? How did you live through that? Well, and of course, oh, I can't go to the third movie yet because I have to mention my favorite bit from 78 is when the killer is marching is marching around ready to do some axe murdering to carry on my wayward son. And I was, I just started laughing when that <laughs> happened. I was just like, what? <laughs> That's a hell of a choice somebody made, and I'm glad they made it. <laughs> like, man, this is not the song I would choose to murder to, but that's just me. You know, that's that's me. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the other use I've heard of it lately. Yeah. Uh-oh. That's that's not wrong. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't we won't get into that right now. There'll be another show for such things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was I think well honestly one of the more like not mean spirited, just mean movies that I've watched in a minute because it's just like no one's no one is safe. And they established in the first movie that no one was going to be safe in this one, yeah. basically, except for one character, because it's the only one that you know of that 
survived. You've come to find out about another one that survived. But that's uh, that's we have to talk about that character probably mostly in the context of sixty of uh, the sixteen sixty six century. I feel. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So let's move on over to part three, uh, where, and I guess this kind of bleeds over from two. But I realized when characters have flashbacks and their extended flashbacks, they go on for 20, 25, 30, they're about 40 minutes, something like that. Do people think that when somebody's being told a story and we see it in a flashback, do people think that the story is being told exactly how we see it? Like if, okay, like what, uh, uh, 1666, that section goes on for like 50 minutes or something, right? Mm-hmm. Do people really think that Dana was out in the woods having this, uh, mind mail trip for 50 minutes? I hope <laughs> not, but you know, some people are like, man, that took a while to parse, parse through, didn't it? How did the cops not find her beforehand? It's like, because that just, that just happened, man. Come on. It, that was instantaneous for her. Yeah. You know, for and us like, movie like, watchers, yeah. it took 50 minutes, but yeah. And like when, when, when C. Berman is telling the story of Ziggy and Cindy, like, okay, some audiences are like, yeah, I knew it was her right off the bat, but like you said, you didn't. Like, do people think, no. yeah, do people think that like she's telling it in a way that would give it away that she is in fact C. Berman and, and not and and Ziggy as well, like, I don't know, man. I like I said, I kind of hope not, but I know you know, and I know some people definitely interpreted it like that. Yeah. I thought that was actually really clever after the fact. I was like, oh, that's because her sister's name is Cindy. So you thought for sure. At least I went through that whole movie thinking that she was the one who was going to live, and it's no. The in the movie at the end pulls the. If you had, especially if you had no context, you never read the books, uh, yeah. you know, just pulls a rug out from under you and says, nope. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I guess I should say, uh, yeah, this is a, like, the storyline for the movie is brand new. Um, oh, okay. Okay. It, it's inspired by the just sheer number of, of Fear Street stories. Uh, the Cheerleaders one is like the main ongoing plot line kind of oh okay it, it, okay it was an entire trilogy and this trilogy hits all the marks from what's kind of the tone of those stories so yeah completely uh original procession of events for these movies so yeah there's definitely people definitely people who got got by that i can attest to that personally <laughs> but you know i didn't think that Dina was sitting out in the woods for 50 minutes learning the truth about what happened to uh to Sarah Fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I I think people got confused by the fact that the actors returned and, and played the uh 1666 counterparts. And I'm just like, y'all it's not literal. I was what's confusing <laughs> about that? <laughs> This is a this is a movie, y'all. What the what the hell? I, I don't get I don't get people, man. <laughs> <sighs> and it goes dark again in sixteen sixty six. Quite oh my! Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> we talked about seventy eight, not pulling any punches, or ninety nineteen ninety four for that matter. The the bit with the church in sixteen sixty six was good God. Dude just finds a pile of eyeballs in the middle of the floor, all belonging to the, what was it, like, 12 chil- literal children that were in the church with the dude, and also to the to the pastor, because he put his in the pile, too. At least he was courteous enough to do that. Yeah, he, 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 he didn't let them be alone in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a very surprising little slice of folk horror. For this one, 
that damn near goes full Evil Dead. Because <laughs> once that book comes out, it's like, oh, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Don't read from it. <laughs> Don't read that. Don't you say those names. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't summon. Don't summon nothing. So we get the full scope of everything. And then to drive it on home, this is a 90s period piece through and through. What do we do? We head right back to 1994 for 1994 part two. Part two. Yep. When that title card hit, I was like, oh, (laughs) like, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. The actual look on my face was, oh, shit, because I'm. Was not expecting that to be perfectly honest. I was sitting there, they're like, How does this movie still have an hour left when they reach? Oh, that's how. <laughs> uh, my uh, one of my favorite parts about that is just where does where does the uh ultimate act of this movie happen? Same place everything else happened in 1994 the mall, the mall, that's right, same place it started. For that matter. That's right. Yep. Amid a, a Sabaro and a B. Dalton bookstore. <laughs> uh, a software, etc. also makes software. an appearance, and I was just like, oh, man. I miss that place. Yeah, I miss B. Dalton's, too. Yeah. I guess what it, techni- technically they still exist, but it's because one bookstore bought every other chain they could get their hands on. Yeah. Which means technically software, et cetera, also still exists, but this is true. Yeah. But yeah, what a what a wonderfully nineties finale. <laughs> you're at you're at the mall, you have a plot right out of Night of the Demons three with the super soakers and, and the blood water. Uh it's day glow to the max. Um you got mall gates coming down. <laughs> You got a secret lair underneath <clears throat> underneath the mall. And then uh, uh, my favorite part is you have an all-killer battle royal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, when they all start just going to town on each other, it's like, yo, fuck yeah, this rules. <laughs> and they're watching from behind one of the gates just... It seems like they would like to just be cheering one of them on, but it's like, man, which one do you root for in this scenario? Just you just like, nah, kill each other, fuck each other up, do it, and they do. <laughs> the if I recall right, the, uh, the dude in the mostly like blank mask, the one who looks like he's about almost seven feet tall, uh, gets split neatly up the middle by yep. the uh, skull mask killer. It's like, damn. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's 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 a really fun movie. And in the end it all works out. Or so uh, we think. <laughs> well, until the very end it all works out and uh, I do find myself wondering are they ever going to make more of these? They certainly yes. someone wants to. Yeah. That that uh, that ending made it pretty clear. A fourth movie is in development. Um, oh, okay. Good. Yeah, I do think if Netflix does a surprise drop tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised and I'd be very thorough. I Then I'd know what I'll watch tomorrow night if that happens. <laughs> uh, but the, our, our good friend, Sheriff Nick Good, being the, uh, well, we think. Did Sheriff Nick Good have any kids? Do we know? Nope, but his brother's still out there. His brother's still out there. Yeah. Now, they do kind of make a point. And they make the point, especially when they're doing the whole montage of all his ancestors, uh, putting names on the wall to then, to then, you know, you use as uh, sacrificial turrets. I guess I'm going to call it uh, that. It's firstborn to firstborn. Yeah. So, so Nick is the eldest. Would have got it from his dad. His dad would have gotten it from his grandfather, et cetera, et cetera, all all the way back to. Good old Solomon Good, who I thought they did a very good job of making look like an actual, like, decent person. Uh, and then Sarah crawls through the tunnel and finds his fucking, you know, Satan, Warren. It's like, well, shit. They had, they had me fooled. <clears throat> so good job, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, 
you know, she, uh, Dina slams his hand on the the satanic growth from which all of all of the these killers are being spawned, and then you hear the line: "The truth shall be your curse," and he just keeps hearing uh, Sarah Fear's last words to Solomon. And it leaves him blinded long enough to become literally blinded when he gets stabbed right in the goddamn eye. I was just like, man, that was that was really well done. I liked that a lot. And as soon as she stabs him in the eye, all the other killers who are about to murder the fuck out of the cast. And I was going to be real mad if they brought Martin in as an important part of the cast just to kill him. I was like, man, don't don't do that. Stop that. Yeah. But they didn't. They didn't do it. None of those people got killed in a what's essentially a complete reversal of the last part of the last scene in 1994, where you know the people that you didn't think were going to die, at least I didn't think they were going to die, quite suddenly fucking died. <laughs> yeah. Not just not just a little died either. They very died. Uh, <laughs> Now it's just like you lay one hand on Josh. It's bad enough you broke you broke little dude's arm. Like, come on. Uh, I thought dude was going out. <laughs> I did too. I was like, oh man, he gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. I was like, okay, he's fighting, and then, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, snap. Ooh, no. Mm. So yeah, so the curse gets uh, <laughs> the curse gets reversed. Curse is broken forever. Nothing yeah. bad will ever happen again. No, no, no. Uh, just a couple of loose ends. Um, just a couple. Uh, yeah, the, the one there's one big loose end with Martin, I think. Uh, besides him having, okay, I'd been waiting for a uh, needle drop of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Mo Murder, for thirty years. Okay, I'd been waiting to hear that song in the movie thirty years. Didn't know. You got it. When it was you got happen. it. I got it. <laughs> Finally. Man, I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god. Someone finally, someone finally used it. Yep. And Martin's just like, and I'm not even doing anything. I'm sitting, he's sitting on his front porch smoking. And he just puts his <laughs> hands up automatically as soon as the cop car rolls up, which, let's be real, probably the safest thing to do in that situation. Hopefully it fucking uh, helps. But but the um uh there's a line from Sheriff Good uh where he calls Martin family and Martin says, Man, I'm not your family. But Oh no. Is he? <laughs> Is uh, he they though? Made a, they they um they had black folks in that community in sixteen sixty six. And they showed the family tree. Oh, shit. Those lines aren't in there for no reason. Man, don't you dare make Martin the villain of a part. No, I don't think he'll be the villain. I think they'll have use for him later as a counterforce for whoever really has the book. That'd be rad. Ah. Whose hands hands pick up uh, the book at the end? There can't somebody be that many people who know that right, book yeah. is there, by the way. Right. Yeah. So it's it got to be somebody from the family. Uh, or it is, um, it's the nurse from 78. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she, she would gets, know. She gets the book. So she knows where it is. So the, um, another question, which, you know, might be answered by another, by the next movie when it comes out. Whose hands were they? What are their hands' intentions? They're gonna try to bring that. They're gonna try to run that shit back. Is it someone from the good family who's like, you know what? Fuck you. I liked it when it was like this. Or someone who's maybe got some revenge on their mind and decides, you know what? Fuck Sunnyvale. I'm gonna burn that shit to the ground. Which, uh, you know what? Fine. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> The curse being literally reversed for a while would uh would be a an effective plot device to to write to use in that kind of story. Yeah. Someone 
just being that pissed off about what happened for so many years or for some centuries would also be a pretty fair thing to, uh, you know, to build around. But we're yeah. just, you know, we're <laughs> speculating. We don't, we don't know. Speculating. So yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to whatever they do because these movies are great and they deserve something larger than being locked into Netflix. They deserve a physical release. Netflix, let us uh, hell. You can you can publish it. I will give you money to have physical copies <laughs> of these movies. And I don't really like to give Netflix money. I do it, but <laughs> excuse uh, me. Mark. Uh, Mark, any any questions, comments, things you thought might have stood out from our discussion so far? Well, you answered one because I was going to ask you if you think it's still worth me, you know watching them even though i kind of have a sense of everything that's going to happen in them now but then you mentioned that uh mo murder drops uh <laughs> and then i mean i'm yeah i've got to watch both movies now so yeah <laughs> um i mean from what i remember from the first one it definitely seemed like an homage to like a scream style movie um it sounds like the second one kind of was like a Friday the 13th homage. Um, Was there anything in particular you felt like the, at least the 1666 part was kind of nodding to? Um, Uh, I thought just a folk horror in general. In general. Yeah. Yeah. Persecution of would be witches but you you know it's men fucking up yeah stuff Mm. so yeah it's just it's just dudes hating lesbians that's all it is pretty much but yeah it's a nice little slice of folk horror for 1666 Mm. then it loops back to the uh the goofier side of 90s horror because what uh, what are you talking about (laughs) sir (laughs) Because, <laughs> like I said, man, the, the Super Circle thing is right from Nine of Demons three. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's 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 perfect in that regard. I um, got a laugh last night because yeah, you know, I told you before the show that you know I was looking for something to watch. I wound up watching the thing, um, John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, but one of the movies that I saw on Peacock um, that just kind of gave me a chuckle was uh, I'll always know what you did last summer. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I just, I just was amused by that. They went there. <laughs> oh my goodness! Fun times. Oh, I just realized what the, uh, what the montage uh, in uh, in this in 1994 part two gave me some lost uh, lost boys vibes when they're setting up the house to like a bunch of vampire traps in the house. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the reasons this is resonating with me so hard. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Great trilogy. Um, I, I think it deserves to be talked about every year just for how fun it is. And just what a big swing. It was to do that in general. Uh, streaming premiere three weekends in a row, a complete event over the summer. And it stuck the landing. So hopefully, Netflix is like, okay, we're going to do this right. And they just continue to build and continue to uh, hire and fairly pay creatives to see their vision through. Because if it, uh, if and when Fear Street continues, I do think it has the potential to be uh, a lot of fun for years to come. I, uh, this is a little bit of a side note. I went Googling Fear Street just to see if I was wrong and there maybe were physical releases. And that's when I discovered there's a, there's a lot of these books. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of these books. I'm like, oh, damn. I was kind of hoping maybe I could buy like a, a box set for of that that wouldn't be a whole lot of money. It's like no, you buy these individually and you buy all 
like 12 or 15 or however many of the damn things there are. It's like, shit. <clears throat> yeah. And again, I, thought- <laughs> I did not know R.L. Stein would go that hard. It's just, yeah. damn, okay. I still have to buy back the second and third copies of the Trilliters trilogy, but those are expensive now. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know what turns, my copies. So. <laughs> turns out when stuff is out of print, uh, you should just pirate it. <laughs> you can edit that line out if you want. If you'd rather not have me just advocating for stealing shit that can't be easily found anymore. But, uh, Hey Rob, uh, like the first 60 episodes of this podcast were backed by music that I had absolutely zero clearance for. So <laughs> I think the one, the one time I provided a song for the opening, I actually tried to find something where they didn't care. Like I gave you an <laughs> aviator song because they typically speaking don't give a shit. If you've bought their music. which i have but i don't think that i can be like hey i bought this you can use it freely that's how that works right yeah you bought a copy you can borrow it problem with that but that said i seriously if something is out of print and ridiculously expensive to buy don't just don't i don't care what it is if it's a book if it's music if it's a movie just don't if it's because Lucha if you, Underground on Amazon. Lucha Underground, whatever it is. Because <laughs> if you have to spend a butt ass load of money to buy something like that, it none of it is going to the people that made it. It's all going to whoever has, you know, a, a bookshelf of copies of it and it's just jacking the price up because they can't. Yep. Yep. That's why I hate the secondary market for comic books. <laughs> yeah. Especially omnibus. Releases because out secondary ow. market in general ow, ow. sucks ass. I say this as somebody who makes a, a small amount of money off the Magic the Gathering secondary market. So I know how shitty it is. All right, steal it, steal it all. There. You know this might be my favorite episode of all time. <laughs> just, just, just for that. We're gonna call this one "Steal This Episode." Steal this and fucking do it. Steal this episode. Download, copy, and send it to your friends. Hell yeah! No skips. Please distribute. Pirate the hell out of it's them damn enchiladas. The podcast. All right, do it. That's right. Just point them back our way when they say, "Where'd you get this?" Yeah, and we'll make more because that's how it works. Yeah. So this isn't speculation. This, this, I guess this is more just like brain food, but the, the director of this original trilogy had at one point expressed interest in doing another movie that took place during the fifties. Yeah. Uh, that would be centered around the milkman. Yep. Um, I think it's since been announced that a different director is taking over, uh, for Uh, the next movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, kind of unfortunate. We'll see yeah, no what problem. where that goes, but um, then actually, the director of this of this trilogy is uh, a partner of one of the Duffer brothers from Stranger Things. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this Googling ninety four uh, shares a lot of the same locations, uh, just redressed from Stranger Things. Yeah, that makes sense. That bread slicer kill happened in the same place as something with our uh, beloved Stranger Things teenagers. It might have, depending on uh, what exactly uh, is in that mall, because I stopped watching Stranger Things after the first season. But <laughs> I thought you were just going to straight up say, Mark, spoil it, spoil the shit out of it. <laughs> As as much as I advocate for stealing things, listeners, don't spoil stuff. That's fucked don't spoil up. Stuff. Steal things, but don't spoil them. That's that's all I got to say. Yes. And don't steal physical goods from people. Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> Digital is fine. 
But physical goods, don't do that. Life's rough. Unless it's from <laughs> Disney. <laughs> you can steal. I want to go to Disney World. <laughs> I need me an animatronic. <laughs> Put together a crew. We'll do ourselves a heist. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, <laughs> we're laughing a lot. So that means we're having a good Halloween season. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, that was a uh, Fair Street. Um, bring on whatever they do next. Because yeah, absolutely watch this trilogy. If you have not, it's fantastic. <clears throat> just uh just be prepared, you know. Some violence yeah. may occur. A little, little bit, little bit of violence, a little bit, little bit. Yeah, so that'll do it. Uh, for this episode. Um, and thanks for listening. Uh, we know that it has been uh, a very rough month out in the world. Um, all I can say is, you know, stay safe. Uh, please educate yourself on what's happening in Palestine. Uh, just be aware of what's going on. Do your due diligence when you're out there. Uh, interacting with people and uh, just keep keep hope out there for if not for yourself then for other people because uh, it's rough and in the day you know while we have that we can keep using we can keep things going so uh, everybody just take care and uh, we'll see you next time once again thanks Wow, it's, I was going to say something. I hesitated. I'm going to say it anyway. Stay safe and don't feed the machine. Good night. Later, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to Comics School, the podcast that takes you on an exciting journey through the captivating world of comics and education. I'm your host, Mike Dando, an education researcher, teacher educator, and above all, lifelong comics nerd. Join me as we delve into the powerful intersection of popular culture, civic literacy, and classroom pedagogy. Here at Comic School, we believe that comics are so much more than just colorful pages and speech bubbles. They are a gateway to imagination, a source of inspiration, and a medium for deep and meaningful learning. In each episode, we'll be bringing you engaging discussions with a wide range of guests in various fields. Together, we'll explore everything from effective literacy teaching strategies to the visionary designs of Cities for Tomorrow. Whether you're a lifelong comics aficionado, an educator looking for innovative teaching strategies, or simply someone curious about the power of visual storytelling, we've got something special in store for you. Comic School brings you engaging discussions with an array of extraordinary guests. Comic School. By comics folks. For everyone.